Here's Saka. This is looking good. This is Martinelli. And Arsenal squeeze it home for the opening goal. Saka, the creator. And Gabriel Martinelli found that far corner to give Arsenal the lead. White in a very dangerous position. And so too is Gabriel Jesus. They say he doesn't score enough in the Premier League. Well, he's picked a mighty fine time to get his second of the season. And Arsenal's second of the evening. Gabriel Jesus, here's Havertz! Arsenal back level. This time it's the Gunners who must respond. This time it's the Gunners who do respond. Welcome to Whatever the Weather, another Arsenal podcast. Uh, we're joining you after a wonderful game against uh, against Luton Town away. Um, and it's good to have James back. How are you doing, Hello. James? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Good. And uh, and we're joined by Tom again. How are you doing, Tom? Very well, Graham. Happy to be here. Excellent. Okay. So um, how did you... I, I would say, how did you guys enjoy that game? Um Enjoy might not necessarily be the word. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Tom, what were your thoughts? It was a bit of a roller coaster, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were very good value for the lead, but Luton equalised almost immediately, which was a bit of a surprise. I was surprised to see us giving up a goal on a set piece like that. Jesus uh, put us back in front just for half time. Great time to score. Again, it was looking good. And then the beginning of the second half was just chaos. Uh, my side chat with my dad and my brother with David Raya's name certainly came up once or twice. <laughs> um, you know, Kai, is... Kai ha- uh, 60 million down the drain, evened it up. And then the whole last half hour, I just thought we were heading towards a draw, honestly. And yeah, I screamed loudly when uh, Declan Rice put in that lovely header right at the end. Yeah, uh, the pub that I was in went completely mental when... Uh... And it was a relatively empty pub. It wasn't, you know, it, <laughs> it wasn't super busy. But the Arsenal fans that were in there were like, yeah, you know, we're good. Uh, James, how about you? Yeah, it was um, fraught, fraught because I didn't get to watch the whole game. <clears throat> I followed a lot of it over the radio. I saw mm. the last 20 minutes. I've now I've caught up with everything. Um, obviously, when you listen on the radio... Um, everything feels like it's a, a, a goal-mouth scramble. Um, it does. I think in this game Definitely. it probably was a bit of a goal-mouth scramble. Um, yeah. I had the feeling, I said to you before the game, um, I had the feeling that um, this just had shitness written all over it. Um, we have a historically not a great record at, against Luton Town. Um, and I, although we haven't played them for about 30-odd years, I do think things like that tend to matter somewhere deep within the psyche of the universe I don't know um and it's just um and 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 you know and on that Dan alluded to him in one of the other podcasts that you know Arsenal throughout our history seem to be littered with giving smaller or you know team we give teams that their moment in the sun be it you know 
Everton get their win when Sean Dyche took over as the, his first game and Brentford beating us on their first game in the Premier League and and so on and so forth. And, you know, in Birmingham in the Cup final and everything like that. And it was just one of those. And um, when we found ourselves 3-2 down, I thought, oh, no, yeah, here we go. But, um, yeah, really, really pleased with the team's resilience to fight the way back in and obviously to get the winner at the end. But, um, yeah. Uh, Tom, how was it watching from watching from the US? You were, uh, I'm guessing there are, there can't be that many games that begin at um, 8.15 GMT that you can then actually watch in real time. I watch all the lunchtime games in real time. The ones oh, that are really? harder for me, the, the ones that are lunchtime in the UK are harder because that's like four o'clock in the morning. And uh, that's <laughs> pro- normally on a Saturday or Sunday and that's not happening. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, um, the, the midweek games, I normally manage to catch all of them. We're very lucky here that a lot of the games mm. are broadcast one way or another. Mm. This is on yeah. something called Peacock, which I believe is uh, in cahoots of NBC or yeah. something. I think we have that here too. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you guys get the you guys get the three o'clock um, three o'clock Saturday games that um, that yeah, we, and we definitely we definitely do not get. Yeah, um, what's good? What's good is that on like the major networks, there'll always be like a couple of Premier League games screened, and quite often it's Arsenal, just because we're shit hot at the moment. And people want to watch us. And I think there's a lot of Arsenal fans out here in the States. So I'm definitely not complaining. The fact we're top of the league means, you know, keep getting picked for more and more games. This one was on Peacock, but, you know, whatever. It was easy enough to catch it. Yeah, it was a good commentators were pretty good. I've got to say, um, the atmosphere sounded pretty amazing on the footage that I was watching. Like, it sounded loud as hell there. I don't know how many people they can fit in Penilworth Road, but it sounded like a lot of people. It does. Yeah, James, do you know what the um the capacity is for Kenilworth? I think it's I like... I it's think about it's, 15, it's, 16,000, isn't it? It's not yeah, it's not, it's not huge. I mean, I know that... <laughs> I, I think the allocation for Arsenal away fans is about... I think it's about 1,500. It wasn't huge. Yeah, uh, no, it might have even been less than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've just re- I've just read that after the twenty twenty three renovation, it holds ten thousand three hundred and fifty six people. That's mm. a sixth wow. of the Emirates. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, say that again. Did you say ten thousand? Ten thousand three hundred and fifty six. I think. Oh yeah. God, that's... Well, they had to demolish. Po- well, I don't. I don't know exactly demolish, but I know that they had to. Um, they had to renovate one entire ground so that they could do the VAR thing. Um, yeah, they do. They were doing. Yeah. Temp- they were doing shots of the uh, stand that um, the camera was on occasionally, like sweeping back across, and it looked like it was some kind of temporary affair. It was. Uh, it's just, it, it, something the commentator said, which I agreed with a, a lot, is it kind of looked and sounded and felt like a cup tie. Like Luton, it was almost it was like a free hit for Luton. You know, they're not going into that game expecting anything. Their fans were so so up for it. Proper pantomime booing. They were booing Saka and Martinelli every time they got fouled, and then every time they got the ball after that, it was like they they created a lot of hostility, which I'm sure helped the Luton team a lot. And I just I think it's brilliant to see Arsenal react to that and yeah, still yeah. come away with the point. So there's the such cup, grit the cup, in this team. The cup, the cup type thing that you said, I actually I I mentioned to the, the guys I was watching the game and uh, the game with at the pub. I was like, this this feels like a cup game. You know, it's uh, you know, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, do you know what? I would have just for the banter of it, I'd have loved to have seen Aaron Ramsdale play because he would have really got involved <laughs> with the fans. Yeah, um, well, actually, that's one and, thing. And I was who knows? Come maybe he will start playing more often now. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's actually something I was gonna, I was going to mention is that there were two, 
you know, there were two pretty big mistakes by Rhea. Um, you know, um, at one point I'm like, dude, where are you standing? Like, go back to your line. Um, and the goal that they got where it just basically just went under him. Um, it's like, yeah, I... <sighs> I hesitate to say that, you know, that Ramsdale would have done better. And I think it's really easy to say that, you know, it's really easy to say that there was one point, there was one point, And, and as Tom said, like in the U S it was on Peacock here, it was on Amazon, but um, I don't know. It was the same feed, but at one point they just sort of flashed to Ramsdale and Ramsdale was just smiling. <laughs> I just uh I mean, he knows every time anything happens with David Raya that isn't perfect, he's gonna be on the camera and they're gonna be looking for his reaction. It's yeah, yeah. Oh definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same you say I mean he he definitely let he definitely didn't do his best. I'm not gonna say he let us down, but he didn't do his best on the goals. But in possession he was good today. He kept things ticking over, like Luton's press didn't really cause us too much trouble. The game hmm. the goals came out of set pieces and I guess the the third one came from open play. But hmm. There weren't any kind of like playing out from the back disasters in this game or anything. I thought we looked pretty assured. I think you guys spoke summed it up quite quite well when you said it was it had a feeling of a cup tie. It really did. You know, if you if you'd have, if I'd have tuned in or you know, as I said I listened on the radio, but if I'd have watched that and not known it was a Premier League game and you said it was the FA Cup third round, I would have totally would have believed that. And that's exactly how it felt. Exactly how it felt. Um I think we could have dealt with that a bit better, mind you. And I thought when we raced into an early lead, I thought we would have done. Um, but look, you know, credit all credit to Luton for giving it a go, you know. And I, I, I really, um, it, it really grinds on my gears when certain teams from certain parts of the country, um, who have really tight, old-fashioned stadiums, and you know the conditions are for them, and they don't use that, and they try and become, and they try and be like, you know, Burnley are a good example. They've tried to become like Man City light or I don't know, Barcelona light or Barcelona, whatever you want to call it. They want to try and play, you know, tippy-tappy, sophisticated football because it's seen as the in vogue right thing to do. And, you know, whilst I get that, I don't think there's anything wrong with using the conditions that you've got as a smaller club, um, using that to your advantage. You know, and, and Luton certainly played on the fact they've got a tight ground, they play very direct football, they're up and at them, they give it a go. Um, they make the type of tackles their players they often make those type of tackles that get the crowd really going and get them on your side you know and I, I think I, I, I don't I um yeah it's a bit of a it's a throwback isn't it it's a throwback to how football was when we first started watching it and I I you know I respect smaller teams for doing that because I think had Luton turned up to try and play Arsenal off the pitch they would have probably found themselves on the wrong end of a very heavy scoreline. So they made it competitive. And that's, I suppose, ultimately, is that from the wider footballing point of view, it's what you want to see. But um, I probably wouldn't be saying that if we didn't come away with a 4-3 win. But there you go. Well, to be fair, I don't think uh, either of us would be, you know, any of us would be, you know, the least bit jubilant if if um, if Declan Rice hadn't got that goal. And Hundred and five million pounds, man. That's uh, that's what that goal is worth. <laughs> and so we paid that for him. You know, we we paid for him exactly for those kind of moments. I think. You know, he he. I, I've, it's it's really hard to even quantify how much he brings to this team now. Like just his his the amount. Like he's responsible for. I would guess quite a large amount 
of the passes that happen during a game because he's the link between the defence and the midfield a lot of the time. But he's also a box-to-box midfielder. He's also like scored two injury-time winners in massive games for us already this season. Like, this guy is doing everything and more. I, I think they should like figure, start, draw the circle outside the stadium where they're going to put his statue now. <laughs> well, there's a kind of ongoing kind of uh, on, ongoing thing about Declan Rice. Is like he's really good, isn't he? Like <laughs> every single game, you're like, yeah, he's he's just he's just really good. Uh, what are we going to say about this guy this time? Oh yeah, yeah, he's um, he's Declan Rice, and he's fine. And as me and Dan actually mentioned on perhaps not the previous pod, but on the one before that, is that you f- and I said this. Uh, I kind of forgot about Partey. I kind of no. forgot that he's not there. And if he were, can you imagine having that, you know, having that defensive midfield and then, you know, if you've got Partey and you've got Rice, you know, and then you've got Odegaard moving forward, that's, you know, that's kind of the dream, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I'd, just, I'd love for us to see it <laughs> at some point. Um, Maybe we will one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I don't know. Um, yeah, when he's when I he's. Event- I'd, I'd just like to come in and just say something with Declan Rice is not only is he just a really brilliant footballer, and I suppose that's what 105 million pounds gets you, but he's a great character, and I know it's very cliche to say, it, but he is a leader. You know, you saw it what he was like with West Ham. You know, he he pretty much helped keep them up on his own at one point. Um, Obviously, it was inspirational for them in, in winning their their conference league title last year. Um, but you can see he's just got he's just got something about him, isn't he? As a footballer, there's there's more than just a good footballer there, you know. And you can really see him. I think, like you say, he is the heartbeat of the team in the midfield already. Um, Patrick Vieira had it. You know, it, it's mm. not just something just because he's English. You know, when Patrick Vieira first stepped in the pitch, you could tell this guy had something more about him. There are certain players that just have that aura. And that feeling, and I think he is very much of that ilk. And yeah, he may not have the armband on, but he's 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 going to be. A, I kind of feel like he will you know, eventually. Um, like, um, well, I was just going to I was yeah. just going to say it was probably, and I know we had that in Granite Xhaka that to a lot of people he was the captain in all but mm, actually all but the no. guy that wore wore the wore the armband. But mm. I think Declan Rice is that and more, you know. And I, I think he's got a connection with the fans already. You know that's what those two late goals will do for you, isn't it? He's, he's if he wasn't if he's not a hero, he's definitely going to be on be on his way to being a cult hero. <laughs> well, as Tom just said, just you know, just prepare the area for the statue already. Yeah, yeah, know. absolutely. Um, the, the thing, the thing that I get most from Declan Rice is that he's a guy who wants to win. You know, he wants to win the Premier League, and he chose to come to Arsenal to do that rather than Man City. Like, arguably, it would have been, if, he, if he'd gone to Man City, I don't think there'd be any point even holding the rest of the fixtures this season. I can't imagine how invincible they'd be with him. But the fact he chose Arsenal and the fact that Arsenal are rising to the challenge and he's such an integral part of it just makes me smile. Because I can't remember the last time Arsenal were in a position to be like hunting out like in a showdown with a big rival for a signing, a transformative signing. Mm. Like the stature of Rice's, I don't. I really can't remember another time it's even happened ever. So, and the fact it's happened and it's worked out so quickly, like instantly, no bedding in period. Like he's still learning how to play with this team. He's still building mm. the relationships with all the other players on the pitch. I think it's very exciting. Just thinking about what more there still is to come. 
because he is the difference between, you know, last year's team and this year's team for me. People are saying it's less exciting, but we're winning games that, you know, I think the emotion got the better. The, emo the emotion is not getting the better of Arsenal and they're not blowing it like they did. Like, we'll see what happens in the second half of the season. We were very good in the first half of the season last year. Well, yeah, I mean, we we ended the season top of the we ended the uh, the year top of the league, um, and then and then the World Cup it, happened. Then things. Then I went to all these games, and then you know, <laughs> yeah, Graham <laughs> lost us the league last. Yeah, year. yeah, yeah, exactly. It was entirely my fault. I kept going to games, and you know, well, that but, point yeah. Tom does make about the World Cup is an important one in that we weren't half. You know, traditionally you're halfway through the season in that weird period between Boxing Day and New Year's Day, whereas actually last year, halfway through the season, didn't come until like the middle of February. So the the, the timeline was, was very out. So well, I mean, it if felt you think like it... we were at the top of the league for ages, but... Yeah. You know. I mean, if you think about it in terms of like the idea of there just being basically too much football, if you, you know, the, 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 the Euros was delayed Never. until... Well, no, I, I get what you're saying, but like you know, the Euros was, was delayed this by a year. This is a football podcast. Yeah, obviously, but the Euros was delayed by a year, and then mm -hmm. we had you know, and then we had, um, then we had the the Winter World Cup, um, and it sort of seemed since then it seemed pretty relentless. Um, I said this to Dan on the last podcast. I was like, I was. Oh, so wait, after we play after we play Liverpool, um, and we can come to that, how we managed to draw Liverpool in the FA Cup. I mean, it was gonna happen. Um at least it was at home. Um But uh, you know, there's like a two week period where there's no football and there's actually a break. Is it internationals or just no, no football? No, there's just no football. Wow. For, that's for like for like two weeks. And I was so, because it's been so relentless. I was so confused by that. I like, was like, wait, Arsenal aren't, aren't playing between the something like it was like the sixth and the uh, and the twentieth. So um, is this is this like an intentional winter break? Like this is intentional winter break. Apparently I, so. I could yeah. be wrong, but I feel like that did happen in twenty twenty one. Hmm. Hmm. Was that one? I think we were forget, that because, was... no, because oh. well, I remember we won the FA Cup on August the first to end, which was the, which is the broken COVID season, and then oh. we sort of returned back after about three weeks to start the new season again. Hmm. It was a quick turnaround. I'm sure that that January they had a or February they had a a break, but they split it. So some some Premier League, you, you basically all the Premier League teams got two weeks off. But there were still oh. fixtures going ahead in the middle bits. So they just played, rather than 10 fixtures, it was five one week and then five the following. I'm sure there was something like that. Oh, I see. Okay. But I mean, but yeah, in January, between the 6th and the 20th, there is yeah. a, you know, there's an actual break. Um, which is, yeah, like I said, it's not mad, but it does seem like there is an actual break in football that it feels like has not really happened since... It's not the norm, is it? It's not the norm. I think it kind of should be the norm to not be. I mean, isn't it a bit weird that like we're Arsenal playing eight eight games in December? Um, you know, could you not sort of stretch those things out a little bit? Like it is a bit mad. 
for me, I'm a big, big fan of winter Christmas period football. I love it. Oh, um, no, me too. I, I mean, think it's great it, when it's just come thick and fast. Um, and yeah, I think, yeah. you know, I, mm. I would, for me, rather than, I'm not a big proponent of the of the winter break or anything like that and then don't necessarily want to have this sort of conversation about it, but I would, I'm more against clubs jetting off all the way around the world on post-season tours and money spinners mm. like that, which they don't need to do. I much preferred it when Arsenal took the troops over to Austria at the end of uh, or at the end of July for a couple yeah. of weeks, hard running um, <laughs> before playing games against the likes of Barnet and Boreham Wood. You're only allowed to eat. You're season, only you know? allowed to eat tofu for the last for the next month. Yeah, that's all you're allowed. Um, you know, and I think that that, if anything, I think you know, playing those money spinning, you know, playing Chelsea in China mm. in 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 early July. I don't think I think those sort of things. I think that there's, there's that I would agree to you there. There's too much football, but no, I, I think the league schedule is fine for me personally, yeah. anyway. So you, you don't want to cut. You don't want to coming over to California so people like me can see him. I do. You know, what's really funny. I was literally about to ask you that question. I, I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen Arsenal once I've seen them once since I've been there I saw them beat the MLS All-Stars 2-1 and the MLS All-Stars had Didier Drogba playing up front and he fucking scored I was shaking with rage oh my like, god he would not, not leave again. us alone I know there's so many years of just hating the guts out of that man and yeah. still doing it oh my god do you know what I on the American tours I mean I've got a, a friend who, who lives in LA and um who I met in New York at the time, and he um he he's seen Arsenal play twice. He saw at MetLife, and then he, he saw him in uh, they played in uh, Manchester United at the SoFi Stadium, um mm. and and it's an amazing thing. And you see all the stuff on Twitter and Instagram and whatever, and, and you know all the fans and everything like that, and that's amazing. Mm. And I think we're so far down the road with that sort of thing now. You can't go back, so it's here to stay. Um, but I just think the whole premise of just having international tours that start literally as the pretty much as the season ends like the players get like a two week summer break and then they're back into it uh, I, I find that a little and it's it's they under the guise of the international champions cup and all that kind of stuff i find that a bit nonsense i'd rather if they just went yeah we're going to go and have a few friendlies and mm. there wasn't much on it you know yeah i can't i actually kind of in, inclined to agree although i do recognize tom's point of like can the Arsenal please come and play in California so I can watch them? It's it's like... not for me. It's not for me. It's to make money. The whole thing's just yeah, money. Every, every, everything everything is money. I didn't even go. I didn't go when they came this summer. Like LA is like a five hundred mile drive for me. Like yeah. I, didn't I mean, the, the one that's next on the cards is they're going to go to Saudi Arabia, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know. Actually, I think they've the um the Emirates thing kind of means that they're uh. The Emirates um, sponsorship things means that they are in Dubai, like that's okay. yeah. They played. They played. Did we play in Dubai last? Well, we always, we always, we always, or do during like, the World Cup, didn't we play in? Yeah, well, we always Dubai. do like the winter. Probably against Chelsea. Sorry, again. We always do like the winter training training uh, periods in Dubai, and that's because of the um the Emirates uh, sponsorship. No, I don't. I don't see the the Saudi thing. You know, well, I hope. I hope not. I don't see the the Saudi thing becoming becoming part of Arsenal. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I I don't know. Um, yeah. So Villa on um, on Saturday. Tom, are you uh, going to be able to watch that one? Uh, it depends what time it kicks off. 
Oh yeah, nine thirty a.m. No problem, mate. I'll be watching that. <laughs> That's easy. I can have breakfast while it's. it's I got very used to us like, having a whole slap up breakfast while I watch the football. It's peculiar. But like nice. eight years in, I'm kind of used to it now. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. That's uh, gonna be a hard. That's gonna be a hard game, man. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be a hard Concerns game, man. About it. <laughs> I mean, how, how do we feel about that? Would, would we take a draw? We've got to beat them. I think it's. I think it's more a draw. Yeah, Aston Villa are crap. Yeah, not be fooled by <laughs> that fraudster Unai Emery. Yeah, good, good evening. Um, but uh, no, I. No, do you know what Villa? Villa are one of those teams in the league, in the middle middle parts of the league, who on their day they can beat anyone and take points off anyone. We all know that. But um, they're fourth. They're fourth, James. They're not in the middle of the league. A middling team, then. Right. Historically, yeah. they've I been mean, a middling not, team. I mean, the last not, few years, they're not. They're not yeah. Chelsea, dude. Like, no, I mean Chelsea on their day, you know. I oh no, 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 got no, a we... collection of good players, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We only drew with them. Um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think um, I, I would like to think we'd we'd go there and win. I mean, we've won six league games in a row now. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've got a bit of form going behind us. But it, obviously, it's a tough game. There's no doubt about it. They're 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 a much better side than they've been for a long, long time. Yeah, and that's mainly because of Unai, isn't it? I mean, you know. Well, they got an upturn because they were only they were heading towards relegation with Stephen Gerrard, <laughs> don't they? So <laughs> he's turned them into the Seville of the Midlands. He has, yeah, or the or the Villarreal, like you know, or he's he, um, he's only allowed to, he's only allowed to manage teams that have two L two L's in the name. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. There you go. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's why he didn't work out at the Arsenal. Yeah, obviously. Exactly. Mind blown, dude. Mind blown. Uh, so, yeah, so we have Villa away on Saturday. Then we play PSV, in, which is basically a completely pointless game because we're both qualified. Mm. Um, I really hope that Mikel just sort of, I don't know, play some kids. Should Aaron Ramsdale play in one of those games? Of course he bloody should. <laughs> Ramsdale should have played tonight. <laughs> Come on. Um, do you yeah. really think he should have played tonight? Yeah, I kind of do actually, because it's you know it's Luton, you know, and you know they scored three goals against us. Yeah, yeah, I know, I, I know, I know, and that's why Ramsdale should. It's just that's Luton, why Ramsdale dude. should have been playing. Tom, you think Ramsdale, <laughs> Ramsdale would have kept a clean sheet? I'm not saying he would have kept a clean sheet, but there were a couple of moments when Raya was just like, dude, nah. I, I, I think the contest is over, honestly. I think Ramsdale is warming the bench for the rest of the season now. Like, mm. I think it's pretty clear who Mikel's favourite goalkeeper is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, although that being said, like, I mean, the idea of, you know, it's been spoken of him, you know, being sold in, in January, which I think would be a terrible idea. No way. Um, yeah, yeah. And also, we're we're the Arsenal. We don't do it. We don't tend to do a huge amount of business in January. Um, right, and we've been through this before. We do business every single January. No, but we don't. It's like just at varying we... different levels. Yes, we do. Mm, okay. Some, oh. Sometimes we buy people with broken backs in January. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we buy people with broken backs, or we loan players from Spain that we just decide not to play. Yeah. And yeah. other times, oh, yeah. and other times we go and buy Andre Arshavin. 
That was my favourite. Okay, yeah. fine. But have we done that in the last two January uh, transfers? Transfer Don't make me get on transfer marked. I'll do it. Jorginho. Yeah. But Jorginho was a was a good signing. Okay, anyway, fine. It would be it would be insane to sell Ramsdale because if we're serious about challenging for the title, we need a backup. If David David Raya could just like go down with a hamstring, like just like mm. kicking yeah. a ball. Or ACL or anything. That, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no way Ramsdale leaves in January. No way. Um, I can see him going in the summer, like if he yeah, wants to be a number yeah. one somewhere, but he's definitely not leaving before then. Mm, I can't yeah. see it. Well, there was that there were rumors that um that Newcastle wanted to sign him. Um yeah, but, apparently, but apparently Newcastle actually want to sign um uh De Gea. That makes more sense. He's out of contract, isn't he? Mm. He is indeed. He's a free um, agent. I don't think he plays for anyone now, does he? Don't think so. No, yeah, that makes no. us not going to sell their backup goalkeeper. Like no, because then it would be not... Hein. It would be Hein, and I'm sure he's good, but you know, no, there's no way Amram still leaves. No, in, I don't. I don't think so. There's no way, and, and the only way he does leave is if someone bids absolutely ridiculous money. I mean, like I mean, I mean, we're talking a hundred million. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen yeah. unless I don't know, Allison breaks his head or something like that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's not going to happen, but um, yeah, I, I would, I would, <laughs> you know what? There is a, there is, I agree with Tom. I, I think, I think the, the, um, the competition is over. I think Mikel has chosen that David Raya is his number one. And you know what? I support Mikel Arteta and Arsenal and, you know, he's the man who, who is charged with getting the best out of us and, and taking you us know, to the promised land. So are you suggesting that he knows is. are you suggesting he knows exactly what we need? I think that recent history has shown that yes, he does know exactly what we need. Um <laughs> but it will be right. interesting though, if, if David Raya, if if there if the mistakes do creep in, it will be interesting to see if he is tempted to change him. Because look, look see that's that's you know, what I would, that's give, kind he gave Aaron a like, five year deal in the summer. You know, he obviously hmm. does rate him. Yeah, um, he signed him. Mm. You know, it's not like he's, he's he inherited him. So yeah, yeah there's going to come a point. Um, I would assume that he'll probably play against PSV. Um, I'd be very very surprised if he played against Aston Villa. Um, I mean, I'd like to think he'll play against PSV. I and mean, I've just seen something that's come up on my phone. Yeah. This is that Tommy Asu's picked up an injury. Mm-hmm. Well, Tommy uh, Asu apparently has a knock. And I said this. I said okay. this to. I said this to Dan yesterday. Um, on what on does the a preview. Knock what does a knock mean? Mm. Like it's just like the most arbitrary. Like oh, he has a knock. I said, oh, bit, of, you might... bit of jip, wasn't it? I yeah, think yeah exactly. To... It was like, dude, you might as well say he has a bit of jip. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> it's a, yeah. What does a knock mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, did some? Did someone clatter into him in the game at the weekend? Did somebody Feel clatter? Like... Did somebody clatter into one of our players, Tom? Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm trying to remember what yeah. happened. Tommy actually went off in the game against Wolves. Right, he picked up the injury mm. during the game. Mm. Oh, apparently it's a calf injury. Oh dear. Yeah, oh, he has been quite deal. brittle in his Arsenal career, hasn't he? And he has had periods out injured in all in all his uh, seasons with us. Um, mm. So that would be a blow. Yeah, that means no, we're it, we're, oh, we're not it. far away from getting into Cedric territory. Oh, oh, dude, don't even. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's really funny? I was saying, 
you know, you know, when Saka gave that interview the other day, and he said, um, "Oh, the the problem is with me and Martinelli is that like teams have started putting two two players around us," and I was like, "Dude, they've been doing that for ages. Like, have you only just noticed? Because all of us have noticed." <laughs> um, yeah, I do enjoy. I do enjoy his. Um, I do enjoy his interviews. Gotta say, him and him and Martinelli took a real kicking today. Like that one where yeah. sat, where Martinelli got up and was like holding his back afterwards. I felt really mm. bad for him. I was like, I was surprised he carried on. Honestly, it looked really really bad for a minute. Mm. It is stressful watching those two because they take such a beating every game. Yeah, like they are made. They are made of strong stuff. Mm. May they stay fit and healthy as long as possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think any of us could do that. <laughs> dude last time i tried to kick a football in anger it was the first kick of the night at five aside and i did something so bad to my groin muscle that i had to go home immediately <laughs> <laughs> that was about that was about that was about 14 years ago i was like that's yeah, it I'm yeah. done. last time this the last time i work anymore the last time i played five aside i managed to twist my my hip and uh yeah i couldn't i i just couldn't yeah it was yeah yeah James. Although, you know, there's nothing riding on the PSV game, so you could still get a call-up, Graham. I got faith oh, That's definitely true, dude. I mean, any of us could play that game, you know. It means that little. Mm. Nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. I was quite nothing. pleased to see um, the, uh, the the change of fullbacks this evening, though, to see Ben White and uh, Kiwi all play. That was obviously mm. to try and negate um, Luton's aerial threat. And I think that's probably yes. why Kai Havertz started as well. Um, so doubly oh, disappointing yeah. to see two two aerial goals. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, the Kivio, he seemed solid, but I I felt like we were we looked a lot more dangerous. We gained a lot more territory once Inchenko was on. That Kivio doesn't really have an attacking side to his game. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. I also he think feels that... like a centre back playing at fullback, doesn't he? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is a centre back, isn't he? Like. You know, but Mikel likes just, I don't know, uh, you know, like Tom, when you say like, a, you know, it switched up when he brought Sinchenko on. Yeah, you're right. Um, I also just, I just have this general feeling with, with, with Arteta. It's like nobody really plays in any particular position. That's very fluid. No, you know, they do, they do in a sense, like they do on paper, but um you know, you saw positions that, um, you know, in the latter part of that game, the positions that uh, Zinchenko got into. I'm like, he's not. He's. I, I think that's the the beauty of him as a player, though, isn't it? I, mean, I think mm. one of the one of the best things about him. I mean, I, in my opinion, if he if he was um, a bit more robust, made of the stuff that that Bakaya Saka and Martinelli seem to be made of, he'd probably still be playing for Man City. You know, but he does he does pick up those injuries. He does have that little lapse in concentration. It feels like the last ten or fifteen minutes of a game he does flag, um, which is why we've seen him come off a lot more in games. But with the ball, he's just sensational. I don't. I mean, look, I don't, I'm loath to mention his name, but Ashley Cole was an incredible, incredible fullback, mm. um, and Alex yeah. Inchenko is definitely the best left back I've seen play for Arsenal since him in terms of carrying the ball. I mean he just progresses us so far up the pitch. He's he's basically an attacking midfielder. 
Well, that's kind that, of that what starts I was, off that's kind of in the what left back was... spot. But he, he mm. some of the positions he picks up and his like calmness on the ball and everything and and how he progresses us through the lines is just he's an absolute joy. I mean, him and him and I know we, we've I'm sure we've all spoken about it to death before, but the the difference that him and Gabriel Jesus have had on Arsenal as a club. I mean, we've we've spoke a bit about the impact that Declan Rice has had, but those two have really turned us from you know, a team that was aiming to get into the top four to now a team that's challenging to try and win the damn thing. So, um, you know, you, you you look forward and you think what could potentially happen next summer and, you know, and obviously that there's still a lot to play for this season. So, yeah. yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you look at our position, it's... From how far we've come, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It really is. It really is. Um, you know, and we spoke about this previously. Um, um, and I didn't, I didn't see it. I'll be honest. There were times mm. I didn't see it. I really thought we were going to give Alex Lacazette another deal, and which I wouldn't have necessarily been hugely opposed to at the time. And you know, when we got rid of Aubameyang and you know the play, some of the players that we were linked to, you I read something. I read what the project was, but it's. Uh. I read something. Out. I read something the other day about how Aubameyang and Mikel basically had a like literally a physical fight, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to see Sick. video footage of that. <laughs> you know, apparently, like the animosity was like way beyond what you would what you'd think. You know, there was like well, it genuine, ended very abruptly, didn't it? You know, there was gen. Apparently, that it seems like there was genuine hatred there. You know. It's just like, nah. I, I don't know how true this is, but I I did hear that, you know, in the um, in the COVID season, um, we played behind closed doors, and he missed. He was late to turn up for the North London derby, wasn't he? Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. And it was, was that not that his Lamborghini was stuck in Muswell Hill? His Lamborghini was really stuck right. on Muswell Hill roundabout. Mm. Um, and there are there are photos of. <laughs> yeah. Um. Wow. Yeah. 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 Mikel just I mean, completely lost his marbles, understandably yeah, so. But yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I think he, I, I think he must have been living on Bishop's Avenue, or um, uh, Tom, you know all about Bishop's Avenue. You performed songs about that uh, road. Um, in in the previous century, yes. in a previous century, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he was on Bishop's Avenue, or he was in Totteridge Lane, and he tried to navigate his way from his home via Muswell Hill roundabout to the Emirates. And it's just like, dude, it's not going to happen. You know? Yeah. And apparently, so Muswell Hill is the reason why, uh, is one of the reasons why Aubameyang is part of the catalyst that has has turned Arsenal's fortunes one way or another. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's those little sliding doors moments, is it? Exactly. And to be fair, it's not a bad one though, is it? Absolutely not. not I mean, it's, not, right it's not. It's not a bad one. Could you imagine if he was still playing for us? I mean, I can't. I mean, he probably wouldn't be now. But no, no, no. But I couldn't really see it anyway. It wouldn't make any sense. No, you know. No, I think Mikel probably for a lot of there was still an element of the fan base that he he probably had to try and win round. But I think mm. the the credit he deserves for the way he's changed and molded the squad and changed Arsenal's fortunes around in what three years. Effectively, it's, it's, it's just been incredible. Yeah, no, it really has. And I I found something here which is quite uh, 
it, it's to do with what you guys are talking about. I've looked at the Premier League table from the 2021-22 season mm. after 15 games played. So guess how many points Arsenal had and what position they were. Ooh. Let's say like we had 16 points and we were like eighth or something. Close. We were seventh with 23 points and a minus four goal difference. Oh, my God. Look at us now. Yeah. Same number of games played, 36 points, which is a full mm. 13 more. We lost six games by this time in the season then. Now we've lost one. Mm. And we're sitting top of the league with a positive 19 goal difference, bettered only by Man City with 20. Yeah, I know. And that's, that's kind of crazy. Like, I, I, I noted that um, earlier with, well, before the game against Luton. And actually I mentioned this to guys I was speaking to in the pub when we were watching the game. Um, when it was three, three, I was like, Oh, well that's, that doesn't do much to our goal difference. Does it? That's, you know, pretty negative. Um, yeah. So before that it was, um, uh, both Arsenal and Liverpool on 18, 18 goal difference and Man City on 20, I think. Right. So yeah, we're not we're not doing terribly. Um, you know, I mean, dude, it's not nineteen eighty nine. It's not like we're we're uh, you know. I mean, it, you know what? If we were playing Man City on the final game, of the season, it probably will go that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because Man, yeah, City, yeah, yeah. Man City will get plus ninety points in a season. They've that's what they always. That's just what they do. Mm. So. Every not, every single honestly, thing dude. Count. I'm honestly, dude. I'm counts. I'm not convinced of that. I'm not convinced of it. You I, know something I, we don't? <laughs> no, I just don't. I just don't think Man City are going to be as you know. You know they've they've not won in three games. They drew with Tottenham. Oh, well, they always <laughs> drop points to them, don't they? <laughs> yeah, like, I got friends. Really I got. I got friends who support Tottenham who say like they don't see what the big deal with Man City is. They always beat them. It's like what's, what's yeah. everyone else's problem? Yeah. That was a very funny ending to that game. Much so I mean, wanted it, both it teams was... to lose somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you always want both of those teams to lose. But... We always I'm, want I'm... both of those teams to lose, Graham. <laughs> I'm always cheering for a giant asteroid to come in and obliterate the stadium after a giant like melee between both teams where like you know points deductions people getting sent off and an asteroid just wiped the fucking thing off the face of the planet there was a game that would do me there was a game there was a game no no, no that's, that sounds about perfect Tom I like it <laughs> In the, um, on, in the early 2000s, there was a game that Neil Warnock managed between Sheffield United and West Brom. It was dubbed the Battle of Bramall Lane, where the game was abandoned because both teams had too many men sent off and there was injuries. <laughs> and I've always wished, why could that not happen when Manchester you know, United play Tottenham you know or Liverpool or Chelsea? Or whatever. Do you know, do you know why, I mean? can't, do you know why it can't That's happen? That's what we want. Yeah. Why is that, Graham? Why can't it happen? VAR, man. Well, VAR gives every reason that it can happen. No, no, no. I Send all of them off. All of them. Managers, coaches, the whole lot. Anyone yeah. moving. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm reading about the Battle of Bramall Lane now. This is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's um there's a really good little little video on YouTube actually that I'd, no, I'd urge you to go and watch. Um because mm, Neil Warner absolutely loses his mind. There's a guy on there called um George Santos 
who makes the most unbelievable two-footed tackle you will ever see in your entire life. But um, you know what? It's funny you say that because I, I find this a lot and this is kind of why I mentioned the VAR thing mm. is that, you know, like, um, you know, the three of us grew up with football in a certain certain period. And, you know, if you watch those like Man United... The 90s. Uh, Ars- Arsenal, yeah, exactly. The 90s, listener. Um, 30 years ago, listeners. <laughs> we old. But... Um, <laughs> But, you know, if you watch those games back, like from the late 90s... You could tackle. Well, no, it's... Yeah, I mean, most of those players would not be on the pitch. Like, well, uh, also the pitches were not great, you know, weren't of great quality. <laughs> so, they probably, they they probably wouldn't I mean, have started them in I mean, the, uh, when, when the we, games of those When we spoke previously, hmm. I mean, Tom spoke about his... First, his debut Arsenal season 91-92, and the pitch then mm. was was horrific. And mm. Arsenal had a, Arsenal generally had what was considered the best pitch in the league. Mm. Uh-huh. But in the winter months, that was that was quite <laughs> a bad pitch. I mean, it was it was often said that um, that's what that's why um, George Graham he liked playing the wingers because in the winter months they would they, that would be the only part of the pitch that was still green. <laughs> that's <laughs> and right. Yeah. and Rocastle <laughs> would really come into their own in that period. Fantastic. And then the weather would get good. The weather would get bad again, and then everyone mm. would just be back down the middle and just very mm. attritional, you know. That's really funny. Well, you kind of alluded to that earlier with um, when you were talking about Luton. Um, yeah, place your strengths. I don't have a problem. Yeah, with that. but also like I mean, you know, Highbury, yeah, the pitch at Highbury was tiny. It was yeah. too small for in for officially sanctioned FIFA games to take place. I know that. That's why no no like mm. proper official internationals yeah, ever yeah. happened there. Yeah. yeah. But we still beat France in 1989. Yep. <laughs> Arsenal two, France nil. Wait, hang on. What? Arsenal had a friendly against France and they won. How is that a thing? How could you? It happened. Yeah, they just had a friend. Well, it was probably. I'm assuming it was during the European. So it was band, club versus country. But they just decided Arsenal to have a friendly versus French France. national team. Yeah. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Wales, um, Wales, um, hilariously had. I'm sure you must know about this, Graham. That Wales hmm. once played, I think, Leighton Orient when Bobby Gould was the Wales manager. Wales and did they play lost. Leighton Orient. Yes, of course they lost Leighton because Orient, we're Wales. Team. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's you know, that's just how it works. Um, so yeah, listen up. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to, um, these rambling whatever. thoughts after these a, rambling a dramatic, thoughts. a dramatic 4-3 <laughs> win over Luton Town. <laughs> Who'd have thought? So, uh, guys, thanks for listening and, um, James, see you soon. See ya. Tom. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye.